Blog Talk Radio. American Negro collectively is richer than most nations of the world. We have an annual income of more than $30 billion a year, which is more than all of the exports of the United States and more than the national budget of Canada. Did you know that? That's power right there if we know how to prove We should own and operate and control the economy of our community. We have to become involved in a program of re-education to educate our people into the importance of knowing that when you spend your dollar out of the community in which you live, the community uh, in which you spend your money becomes richer and richer. The community out of which you take your money becomes poorer and poorer. And because these Negroes who have been misled, misguided, are breaking their necks to take their money and spend it with the man. The man is becoming richer and richer, and you're becoming poorer and poorer. And then what happens? The community in which you live becomes a slum. It becomes a ghetto. The conditions become run down. And then you have the audacity to, com- to complain about poor housing in a run-down community. Why, you're running down yourself when you take it out. We've got to strengthen black institutions. I call upon you to take your money out of the banks downtown and deposit your money in Tri-State Bank. We are telling you to follow what we are doing. Put your money there. You have six or seven black insurance companies here. Take out your insurance there. Now, these are some practical things that we can do. We begin the process of building a great economic base. We've got to give ourselves to this struggle until the end. We've got to see it through. So our people not only have to be uh, re-educated to the importance of supporting black business, but the black man himself has to be uh, made aware of the importance of going into business. And once you and I go into business, we own and operate at least the businesses in our community, what we will be doing is developing a situation wherein we will actually be able to create employment for the people in the community. The black man must unite in one grand racial hierarchy, making a racial empire upon which the sun shall never set. Be black, buy black, be black, and I want to take care of Be black, buy black, think black, and all else will take care of itself. Hunna think free, hunna be free. Good evening from right here where the Gullah Geechee to be. This show the Queen Quet Head from the body of the Gullah Geechee Nation. So glad he hunted to tune in one more again to Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio Station. We were the gee upliftment to the living legacy and the pay ancestral homage. This evening, we want to make sure to dedicate this year Black Economic Empowerment Month program to the man who hunted just yet is a snout. The late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the late Ahaj Malik Shabazz, the late more Honorable Mosiah Marcus Garvey. We want to take a moment of silence for each of them. We also want to dedicate this program to Lena Walker and Madam C.J. Walker. Let we take, Maggie Lena Walker, that is, let we take a moment of silence for them. Ashe. For all our hundred children, but never yet but them. We won't take a moment of silence for all the Gullah Geechee, Big Mama them and Big Daddy Mama them and your granddaddy them and thing. Were been understand who we had mother with and thing like that. Forget the land, for hold upon the land, and rather was for turn the land over. For chillin, 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 for have one place, for stay, and for all the time after they done gone, that we are still there. And we give a moment of silence for them. Ashe, amen. We're so glad for Via just a few days and things like that. They left before we grind into Kwanzaa for this year, and rather was before we grind into 2015. You know, we're so glad if we still had this year's show. We most of them make 93,000 listeners and things like that around the world. We're so glad so we pray say vibe. This year weekend and thing like that, December the 21st, and we the going into the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition anniversary. That 100 children have been across that 93,000 boundary. We say thank you, thank you to all the 100 children who got about a 209,000 view of Gullah Geechee TV, too. So we're so glad that 100 children are tuning in because then we know 100 
think say matter what we do. So we're so glad that all the family and thing that support we around the world and thing like that, and that hundred to deal with we even this evening. And we're so glad for all of the fans and things, because we most of 13,000 fans from the Gullah Geechee Nation Facebook fan page and things like that. And Hunter can find the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition on there and Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio on there too. And you can read us find we on Twitter and on Instagram at Gullah Geechee because we most got 1,500 Hunter children to follow we now on Twitter. I ain't sure what the Instagram and things like that. But we going we going over there during this year week so we going to see how much of children that did it we lay you know next Monday. But now you know one thing, but all of these your thing. But we the send them out and thing like that. And the hundred children, you think say free. But when we were there in school, right, and thing like that, upon St. Island and Red West, upon Port Royal Island and Beaufort and thing like that, all on teacher line we say, ain't nothing free. Free lunch ain't for us free. Okay? And sure enough, freedom ain't free. So this year evening, we're going to crack we teeth about freedom ain't free, the Gullah Geechee economy. Now, it's always divinely ordered for me, and the reason I switch like this is because I want to make sure that all of my listeners, especially those of African descent, and in particular those of Gullah Geechee ancestry, are very clear on what I'm saying. And because so many have been assimilated into speaking the English language, it behooves me to speak English at this point in time so that I make sure that what information is being transferred tonight can be received by the audience, and so I pray that it will make a difference. Interestingly enough, those statements that you heard at the beginning of the show from Dr. Martin Luther King, Hajj Malik Shabazz, at that time, the statements he was making, it was still called Malcolm X, and also by the Honorable Marcus Garvey. When you heard those statements, and I think it was so apropos, the way that they were put together, I definitely commend the person because I'm a person that edits. I'm also a person that DJs. So a clear mix of things makes a difference. And as a writer, articulating the message and having a clear point, even though you're quoting several different people, is very important because you want to ensure that you have one succinct message, even though you may have different writers, different voices that are coming through. And the message is very clear that they wanted to deal with the empowerment of our community economically. Now, interestingly enough, I did not find that video. I didn't even go looking for that video in preparation for this show. I simply got the divine vision that today's show needed to be about the economic conditions of our community. Our story in terms of economics from the past to the present at a point in time when we were once considered chattel, an item, there was still an economic aspect connected. And there is still an economic aspect connected to our communities and what is going on with the loss of some things in our community today. And so as I knew that I would go ahead and do the show and not wait until the Kwanzaa week and wait to discuss this show, but do it now before you spend all your money, 10 more days. I know you're all out there shopping. I know this is a time of year that even the stats for this radio broadcast tend to drop off again, and then they pick back up um, around Black History Month, you know, and that type of thing. But here it is that it is critical that we not wait moments. Like, you know, again, Dr. King's book, Why We Can't Wait. We are at a time where we cannot wait. I think it was excellent that many people decided that they would use Black Friday to make it about a black issue right now, the racial profiling and murders of people at the hands of police, in particular black people, black American people being killed at the hands of police. I thought that that was excellent that then they had to say that the numbers had dropped for the spending for Black Friday, and I hope that a lot of that was attributed to what happened with what would be called civil disobedience in the United States that people did not buy because they wanted to now have people hear their cry. But what good is it to protest for one day economically? That's not 
what broke the backs and made changes during the Civil Rights Movement, which this year we've been commemorating the 50th anniversary since the 1964 Civil Rights Act. That wasn't a one-night deal. Like my mother would say, one belly full and take no raise, no hog, and things like that. And so I don't know why it is that people would think, well, you take it to the streets one day and then you go home and watch the news and you tweet and you post the pictures for the next couple of years. That's not how that works. When you are involved in a movement, a movement involves lifestyle changes that include inconveniencing yourself at times in order to inconvenience the system that you no longer want to function at its current status quo, that you actually want to change that. When you want to shift thoughts, you want to shift paradigms, you then have to place pressure in certain places and you have to be proactive. You all continue to hear me mention this online if you are on Facebook and you will hear me saying it on the air here about being proactive because I truly believe in that. I'm not big on reactionary behavior. I am very big on planning and proactive behavior. I am a person of science, so, of course, logic comes into my mind a lot before you make a move. What's the logic behind that? What is the strategy that you intend to use, and how effective is that going to be? And calculate your risk and your losses, and you will have losses with human beings when you decide that you want to go out and fight brutality with brutality, or in some cases you just want to stand in the face of brutal, oppressive people that feel that they're afraid of you anyway, but they're going to outgun you, and then they gun you down because they're nervous and they're scared, and there's a whole lot of other things going with that. And so here it is that there are other ways to combat things, such as having your own system in which to function. So having the Gullah Geechee Nation in which to function oftentimes causes us to be almost on the periphery of things or on the outside where we, of course, empathize with what is happening, but then we can look at it from a different lens because we may not be faced with the exact same onslaught of things. And vice versa, this takes place. But at least with most Gullah Geechis, our hearts will go out to other communities and we want to assist them out of their plight and out of their trouble. And where in a lot of times, whatever is happening on this coast, folks just sit and watch the news. Oh, a hurricane going on there? Wow, that's pretty rough. You know, and not even think of being proactive and being engaged and involved in things that we try to do to protect our community from what could be coming again us on land or coming in by water. But now one of the things that we have to contend with on land is, one, how do we get to this land? And two, how do we continue to sustain ourselves on this land as Gullah Geechis? Now, it's interesting that last statement by that I made sure to repeat, and then the statement that I stated from Dr. Buzzard, Hunter think free, Hunter be free. His statement ties into the statements of Malcolm X and to the statements of Dr. Martin Luther King because, as I've read in The Wealth Choice, Success Secrets of Black Millionaires, it says, to whom you give your money, you give your power. I believe that's a succinct way of saying all of what they said. And we want to think about the word wealth, okay? And it's interesting because in the same book, the writer, Dennis Kimbrough, states, there's only one path connects poverty and great wealth, the long and rugged road of faith, family, and hard work. Now, you would say, well, why in the world would he mention the path connecting poverty and great wealth? Oh, he must mean you go from poverty to great wealth. Well, some people go in both directions. They may go from poverty to great wealth and great wealth right on back to poverty. And that's because they're mentally impoverished and they're spiritually impoverished. They return to that which is familiar. So if you have bought into a history told by people other than your own people that has told you that you come from slaves, meaning there's no humanity, they've been stripped of all things that they ever had, including culture, including any form of intellect if they ever had it, because three-fifths of a human being may mean that one of those fits was intellect and brain power, that you didn't have that. I don't nev- I never understood in U.S. law which part of us was supposed to be missing when we were calculated as three-fifths of a human being. But now we know that the wealth factor, 
was something stripped in terms of when you kidnap people from a continent and you take them and you drop them on islands or you take them and drop them on another continent, you have now harvested out from that initial continent not only the human beings and their physical bodies, which you can get labor from, which is a capital in and of itself, but you also have taken the brain power out of those communities. The people you've taken from there, if they owned cattle, if they owned cowrie shells, if they owned diamond mines, if they owned things that were for goods and trade, if they owned spices, if they owned areas you could mine gold from, if they owned, were the ones who were the cloth makers, the ones that did the dyeing, if they were the people that did all these things and you removed them from the land where those things are located, you have now taken away their assets. So now you have depleted them in the context of economic wealth, financial wealth as well. Well, then you invest them in the islands of the Caribbean or Caribbean, depending on who's pronouncing it, and that of the sea islands. In fact, from Jacksonville, North Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida, encompassing this whole area here, these sea islands were now where black gold was imported into. Black cargo, black gold was imported into this region, invested into this soil, along with what became the commodities that built the early plantation systems of the region that is now referred to as the Sea Islands of the Low Country, which is the Gullah Geechee Nation, from the Sea Islands inward to the St. John's River, which extends 30 to 35 miles of the Carolina, Georgia, Low Country, and northeastern Florida. So now we're dealing with the cash crops of cotton, rice, and indigo. Sea Island cotton, Carolina gold rice, and indigo. These three things came that which was the commodity along with human beings, black gold. You have a wealth of knowledge and human capital, all right, that is within the human capital, that is being exploited for someone else's benefit for someone else to now capitalize upon the abilities, the physical abilities, and the mutterwit and the knowledge of these African peoples. And now you have people who are everywhere from Angola to, to the Senegambia region that are kidnapped and brought in with an array of different forms of knowledge, from blacksmithing to architecture to agriculture to healing, herbology to uh, science of various kinds, engineering skills of various kinds, you now have all of this capital being exploited by and for the benefit of people other than Gullah Geechis, as the group has come to be known, other than these African people, okay? So now we're talking the 1600s, 1700s, the early part into the middle of the 1800s, that this process of exploitation and depletion continues to go on because as you take out of one community, it's depleted. As you put into the other community, it's invested into, and it increases in wealth. It increases its capital. It increases its assets by bringing in more and more black gold, not just because of the tons of Carolina gold that's grown, not just because of the tons of sea island cotton that's harvested, not because of the tons of bricks of indigo that are put together and these things then shipped back around the world. It is not only because of a triangular slave trade, but actually a circular trade where you have knowledge and information and power going out and then items going back in and then back around these ships come with this going on. So this commodification of the knowledge of Africans is not new, but the, and the commodification and exploitation of African peoples is not new. So
So now we go into the context of today. How is that still being done? It's still being done when chambers of commerce that are largely not people of African descent are utilizing Gullah Geechee as their marketing tool. It is still being done when African Americans from inland North Carolina are establishing other chambers and other groups and they themselves at first don't want anything to do with Gullah Geechee culture because not their culture, but then because now they see it as the new commodity to exploit, to utilize for tourism purposes and for heritage tourism, they themselves are now exploiting Gullah Geechee culture. People are doing entertainment pieces and DVDs and CDs and various things, promoting things that are just for entertainment purposes. They are not the true stories of Gullah Geechee's, but they are very entertaining. They did not speak Gullah fluently. They're not concerned. These people involved are purely entertainers. But people are looking to them to say, well, at least we got an item we can market, you see? So at least if we can market this item and we can use you all as 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 uh, voices for commercials and for different ads that we can do and, and we'll, of course, have you out at Black History Month, then it's okay. No, it's not. Freedom ain't free. Because if you position yourself once again to simply be exploited, trust that if you make $500, there is someone else who has received 5000 to $50,000 to put on whatever it is that you got hired to be part of. If you go there voluntarily, get $50 for your gas, and if you think I'm using that as an example uh, just to use it, no, I'm not. I'm talking about realistically 2014, people actually contacting Gullah Geechis that they think are storytellers and performers and paying them $50 to come places and sing or dance or tell a story or read from the Gullah Bible. This is, again, exploitation. Tell me, how do you have anything left to turn around and invest in your own community and in the freedom of your community? Again, you won't. How do you have the money to pay for your land taxes? I've seen some names in the rules for land taxes that shock me and upset me last October, not October of this year, the previous year's October, and when I brought up a couple of the names, because they're well known for being in a performance arena, people told me that I could stop that noise. Say, Queen, what you feel bad for? They go in the paper every year. They let their land get to the point of being auctioned off every year. I said, why would they do that if they're out here performing? Then they should at least invest that money back into what is truly a value, what is the true asset. The true asset would be to hold on to the land and the house that they have as opposed to simply the ego stroke for the stage. But that's how I look at it and wherein someone else may be looking at it another way. They may find more value in themselves being applauded than they do the way that I look at land. But see, with the land, you can feed yourself. With the land, you can have institutions for yourself and for your family and future generations. With the land, you have something that continues to be of value at all times. Even if they reappraise, reassess, you still have value in land. Land never completely loses value, unlike personal assets. They can reach a point where they'll tell you the car is worthless. You might as well give it to the junk man because it's worth more for parts than anything else. Well, let's deal with that because that is what will happen if people continue to exploit or be used for exploitation against your own community. You will become just a part that they will say, well, it's worthless as a whole, but you could take these little parts and sell them all someplace and you might get something for it. So now think about it. When you put yourself in a position where you have to go to another community and not be in your own community to be empowered, that is dangerous. Because when you leave your community, very likely you might not be able to return. That has happened in the Gullah Geechee community, and that has disrupted the Gullah Geechee economy through the same integrationist movement I mentioned by the Civil Rights Act, because many 
people of African descent, not only in the Gullah Geechee Nation, but throughout the South, throughout Tulsa, Oklahoma, where Black Wall Street was, various areas, moved out, moved to bigger cities, urban environments, and so on, initially to go get better jobs, to make money, to send money back home to their family members, to potentially go and get better education, have the opportunity to get higher education at institutions that would allow the entry of people of African descent, of black folks, where in the South they were still segregated out of some of the best institutions. So now you leave the community, you're making that money, you send a little bit home at first, but there's this new thing called rent. you got to pay that. And now the depression behind you having to pay this rent and working basically to pay the landlord because you don't want to go party and do stuff. You can't go to party any kind of way, so you got to get dressed up. You spend this money for that so you look good and you go and have it a good time. But now it becomes less and less that you have to be able to send them back home. And so now the people at home can't rely on you to be the one to help them maintain and save property that maybe when you left, the tax was $50 a year, but by now it's 500 a year. The pigs were where you left them, still making what they were making because they still going in the creek. They're still farming their own food. Grandma and them getting old and all these kind of things like this year. And wherein where you are, you may have gotten a raise, but they raised your rent at the same time. So here you are in an economic hardship position, and you didn't help yourself by going to those stores and those clubs and those other places that were owned by other people and spending your money there. To whom you give your money, you give your power. So now you didn't send the money back into your own community so that your community could remain self-sufficient and self-sustaining like the one you grew up in when folks was farming, when folks was going to their own herbalist, when the folks was around there catching their fish and shrimp and thing like that, when the folks was picking up your own pecan and thing like that, and everybody been a share. Whatever Hunter ain't been had, I had them. Then Hunter could have come to me and we could have bought it with one another. And then if Hunter been having something to Hunter joint and thing like that, I've been going there for spending at least shiny thing. You know what I'm saying? So now, because you did not do these things. Now your community depleted, and now your institutions can't function. Now, one might have wondered, well, she mentioned she was thinking about holding this show till Kwanzaa at first, but she decided to proceed to go ahead and do this show now before we found the money. But why would she decide to do the show now anyhow? Still could have waited tell Kwanzaa to preach to us and tell us what to do with our money, okay? I sure could have. But not only was I inspired by reading this book, The Well Choice, Dennis Kimbrell's book, but I also made a comment about a section in his book where he talks about the statistics from 2009 and what the wealth gap was in 2009 between people of African descent and other folks, Anglo folks, in how the net worth compared and how much greater one group had it than the other. And I said, well, it's interesting. He's referencing 2009. He's referencing pre-recession or what I call depression figures, I wonder how much worse it is now, because I am sure it is worse for the black community now than it was then. And so I said that yesterday evening, to awaken this morning to an article called Wealth Inequity, Inequality, rather. Wealth inequality has widened along racial ethnic lines since end of Great Recession. This is written by Rakesh Kachar and Richard Fry. And if you are on our Facebook feed or you are at Twitter or following us at Gullah Geechee on Twitter, you saw that I tweeted this today. And there is, and this goes into my mathematical mind, all right, as a mathematician, this appeals to this. 
um, the racial ethnic wealth gaps that have grown since the Great Recession. I still say it was a second depression, and they were just trying to use psychological measures so that people wouldn't think about the word depression when that's actually what America has been in. There may have been a global recession, but America seems to have been in a depression. Now, you economists can email me at G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL dot com and explain to me the technical differences and nuances between a recession and a depression and tell me what is the dividing line between them because it seemed to be a very gray area. Now, nonetheless, Pew Research Center put out the report that is referenced in this article, and it shows that there once was a situation where the white net worth was 13 times greater than black net worth, all right? And now white net worth is 10 times greater than black net worth. Now, you're probably saying, okay, what are you talking about? All right, I'm going to quote from the article. The wealth of white households was 13 times the median wealth of black households in 2013, compared with eight times the wealth in 2010, according to a new Pew Research Center analysis of data from the Federal Reserve Survey of Consumer Finances. Likewise, the wealth of white households is now more than 10 times the wealth of Hispanic households, compared with nine times the wealth in 2010. The current gap between blacks and whites has reached its highest point since 1989 when whites had 17 times the wealth of black households. The current white-to-Hispanic wealth ratio has reached a level not seen since 2001. Leaving aside race and ethnicity, the net worth of American families overall, the difference between the value of their assets and their liabilities, that's what net worth is, held steady during the economic recovery. The typical household had a net worth of $81,400 in 2013, according to the Federal Survey, almost the same as it was in 2010, when the median net worth of the U.S. household was 82300 all right? And that's expressed in 2013 dollars, they're stating. The stability of household wealth shows follows a dramatic drop during the Great Recession. From 2007 to 2010, the median net worth of American families decreased by 39.4%. Now, this is the overall America. From 135,700 down to 82,300. Now, that is just overall America. But now they go into what is more critical here. The median wealth of non-Hispanic black households, meaning just straight-up black people, you're not of Latin descent in any way, fell 33.7%. Now, guess what it was? It was only $16,600 in 2010 and has dropped to $11,000 in 2013. Now, there is therein lies the problem. You are talking about the average American household having a median net worth of $81,400, but the black community being way below that average in the first place because they only have $11,000 in net worth compared to one hundred and forty one thousand nine hundred dollars for the average white family. Gullagichis, when you take these statistics and then you lay them against the statistics of the median incomes for people along this coast in South Carolina, in Georgia, northeastern Florida that are people of African descent and find that you have a majority of people living at the poverty line level, which this $11,000 is below the poverty line level because I was told the other day that poverty is now supposed to be 16000 a year. And so forth. So now if we are talking about this, 
What is this, a tithe? $11,000 versus $141,900. Let's round that to $142,000. Now, do you get it? Six figures versus five figures, and you talk about the low five figures because this is only $2,000 above the line and putting you into the five figures. That is a massive difference, and that's extraordinarily disturbing to me as a leader, as a person of African descent, as a person that does mathematics. This is extremely disturbing to me because we are talking about about ten and a half times more money being the net worth value or or property values and everything combined, the net worth being about ten and a half times more for whites in America than they are for blacks in America. So Gullah Geechee's as a unique minority of a minority group, you can go ahead and guesstimate on your own how much you feel we fit in this statistic or how much worse off the statistics might be if we really further elaborate on the numbers here. Because remember now, net worth has to do with your actual assets and you have to deduct all the things that ain't paid for. Let me just put it in plain English. Okay? So you still paying for a house. That ain't an asset. The bank owns that house. If you still paying for that car, that's not your asset because if you got a loan on it, whoever holds the title to that is the owner of that also. So whatever bill you're paying on them, though, your mortgage, your car, and all that, all that gets deducted away. If you own land and you're paying land tax, okay, your name on the deed, if your name's on the deed to the land now, we ain't talking about heirs property now, if your name is on the deed to that land, then that's an asset. But let's say it's only valued at $50,000. How much is that mortgage of yours that you still owe? Oh, you mean tell me you still owe 75000 Okay, well, you're in the hole. You're in the negative. So you don't even have a positive net worth. You have a negative net worth. And herein lies the problem. Our community is taking on a mentally and spiritually negative net worth as a whole. So as a result, we are not investing in, as I mentioned, when our ancestors, the black gold, was brought over, they were then invested into this land. Their cultural capital, their mental capital, their spiritual capital, their physical labor, all of this capital was now invested into the land. That's not happening now because what is happening is if you are out there trying to pay, as they said on the video, demand, you got to go to work for the man to pay the man. So now when you go to work and you pay those bills, the hours that you somewhere off on a job, even if you own a mom and pop business of your own, you the hours you work, you don't have time to volunteer your wealth and knowledge into any of the community institutions or organizations because you don't literally have the time to be there. Or you have the attitude now of negative self-worth that it's not even worth me going and giving my time and energy to these activities that's going on in the community. But yet you're the same individual. I turn around and tell somebody that they shouldn't charge you entrance to one of the institutions that we have as a museum in the community, or you don't want to be charged to come to any of the festivals or anything that happen in the community because you feel they should be free. But then when these types of events are held by other folks, you go and buy tickets for it with no hesitation, whether they're indoor or outdoor, concerts, festivals, food fests. You are there spending money. You are spending capital. You are there walking outside, sweating. You going in. You bringing umbrellas and chairs and sitting and all of this kind of stuff. Because you say, well, yeah, you got to pay to go to these things. Well, what makes you think that institutions can stay viable within your community if you don't pay to go to any of the functions that they have, including to go into the building? Freedom and free. If you want your own institutions and you want your own 
companies in your community to be able to hire people within your community. Hiring requires financial capital. It requires a financial investment. It requires money to be in the place. If you take all your money and take it to another community and you invest it in their institutions and their businesses and their stores and you go and when you do volunteer, you want to volunteer with them and impress somebody else that's a coworker or somebody else like that, then you leave your community depleted and you took all of your riches, all of your true wealth, all of your capital and invested in another community. And you wonder why did that other community, why that other institution could be viable for so long. And then you say, well, wow, what, what, what kind of thing is this that I'm hearing that this other place over where I live is about to close down? Or you drive by community centers that are no longer open. And you say, well, why isn't it open? Well, if you physically weren't going there and you definitely were not investing any money in it, and if it's a state-operated or county-operated facility and they threaten to take away the line-item budget that paid for that place to be open, for Hunter chilling for going and things like that without paying for going to do well, when you didn't show up at that meeting and loan your political capital and invest it, they said, well, silence gave consent. That's one place that's not needed in the community because if they needed it, they'd be here fighting for it. They'd be here contributing their time and their energy to make sure it doesn't get shut down. In fact, we would have never considered shutting it down because it would have had so many viable activities over there. We would have heard about it. We would have kept getting reports about it, and we would have known that this is a place that we need to continue to invest in. So here we are at a point where folks are complaining. Complaints come free and easy in every community, but especially in ours, people take time to approach me to tell me what complaints they have. But what they don't like are my answers because my answers are usually a solution to the complaint. And that solution usually involves them being engaged in a process to reverse what they're saying, to come and be a part, an active part of investing time, energy, wealth, knowledge, money into the place, the institution, the event, the activity that they say needs to be improved or that they say shouldn't be shut down or that they say needs to have some additional things done and why don't you do it? No, why don't you do it? Why don't we do it together? Don't tell me to go do it alone. So where are you when we need your investment? Oh, that's right. You went across town with yours and then came home talking about you were too tired to come to the community meeting. You were too tired, but you didn't even send money. There was a time when Hunter Chillin used to send send by money and things like that at least. So your hand been there. So now... When we truly need our hands put back to the plow in our community, it is not time to wait Kwanzaa for me to say it. It's not time for me to give you the trite little one day that you want to focus on economic empowerment, the one little week that you want to act like you in such support of African and black unity for once a year, for those who even celebrate Kwanzaa. Because there are millions of black people that still do not celebrate Kwanzaa, don't even know what it is, and know it is not black Christmas, and there is no way of religious celebration. So here it is. I'm not going to wait and put off until tomorrow what can be done today, because we can't wait. All of what you heard at the beginning of this show was said back in the 1960s, the 60s. 50 years ago and more. Now, why would we sit here and get ready to go into another year with our eyes wide shut as we are trying to raise money for things like a Gullah Geechee Land and Legacy Fund, seeking to continue to support nonprofit organizations like the Gullah Geechee Angel Network? seeking to keep the doors of institutions open where they can continue to build onto it like Geechee Kunda, seeking to 
build new institutions like the International African American Museum, which will cost us roughly $70 million to build in Charleston. Everybody happy that somebody else raised $400 million for us to have the African American Museum that will be on the mall in Washington, D.C., and everybody going to be grinning and skinning and wanting to take buses all the way there when you can also have a partner to it in the International African American Museum right in Charleston. But how many of you have ever clicked on the link when I shared it in social media and went over there and gave a donation to I Am? Even if it was $5, $20, $100, all that we give will make all the difference in the world to making sure that these living institutions are here for future generations. When we have things like Gullah Geechee Volunteer Month in March, have you already signed up? Are you bringing a group? Are you bringing your civic organization? We have never had one fraternity or sorority group come and participate in our Gullah Geechee Volunteer Month, not one. And I have sorority fraternity members that listen to this radio broadcast, that watch Gullah Geechee TV, that came out to our first Greek Step Show, Heritage Day's Greek Step Show this year, that we had at Buford High School as part of the Heritage Day celebration that I co-chaired. We know who you are, you know who we are, but no one has ever said, sure, we are going to come as one of the black Greek organizations and work with the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition or wherever else y'all assign us to in the Gullah Geechee Nation during Gullah Geechee Volunteer Month. Never has happened yet. I challenge you to make it happen for 2015. Email us, G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com, GullGeeko at AOL.com, because the history of every single black fraternity and black sorority came out of giving back to the community. It was supposed to be about serving the community. It was about empowering the community. Let's live up to those charters. Let's also go into the fact that you heard Dr. King talk about the black insurance companies, and he was encouraging people to put money in a black bank. Well, on this broadcast and on GullahGeecheeNation.com, you can still find where I wrote about the black banks. Where we where I've discussed before, and I will be during Kwanzaa discussing again black economic empowerment, the history, the movement of that, how that can look, how that should look. But in particular, for Gullah Geechee, there is no excuse because we are in a very small area, most of us, when we live on these sea islands. There's no way that you don't know who on your island has a shop as we call them. There's no way that you don't know who can sew the clothes for you. There's no way that you don't know what daycare center somebody running. Do you know where who do your hair? Okay, you know who you want to go do your nails and all that. And I hope that these are Gullah Geechee businesses that you're still going to to get your hair and your nails done even. And so the more that we do these things in our community, don't think that the only institution that you donate to is the church. Because, again, in reading The Black Wealth Choice, the majority of black women who do well financially, they tie to the church. And the majority of black men that do well, they give to some charity they believe in. And, again, a lot of them who are in fraternities, they give to that. You know, or unless they want to build something, then they give to that institution that they'd like to build. So which usually ties to people's majors or what they're focused on in the business world. I'm not against that. But what I'm saying is that take care of home first. We need to make sure that we spend money in our community. In our community, the money has a one-to-one ratio, meaning $1 may move one time in the black community and then it leaves. In other communities, that money moves around 10 to 11 times in that community before it leaves. This goes back. Looks interesting to a mathematician, to the fact that what the white community, according to his Pew report, has 10 to almost 11, if we're at 10.5, round it up to 11, 10 to 11 times the wealth that the black community has. Makes sense. It matches up. As far as I'm concerned, mathematically speaking, statistically speaking, it matches up. 
If you spend a dollar only with me and you spend $10 with somebody outside your community, it makes sense that that person would have 10 times more wealth than I would have. Okay? So I hope you got that. hope I broke them down like a shotgun knuckle on a chiller because it is a critical time. We are at a point of critical mass. Throughout the rest of the year, if you keep following us on Gullah Geechee Nation, not that we don't do this all year, but especially during this month, we are going to continue to post on Gullah Geechee Nation, continue to post at Gullah Geechee on Twitter, various Gullah Geechee-owned businesses. We pray that you won't just look at those and just share them, but you will spend some money with them. If you spend $5, it will make a difference. When I have over 91,000 listens already, if everybody spent $5 with each one of those businesses, that, trust me, would help to truly boost the economy of the Gullah Geechee Nation. There has been an economic embargo placed against the Gullah Geechee Nation ever since people realized that we were serious about self-determination, ever since the government of the U.S. realized that we were serious about empowering our people economically, there has been an economic embargo. There has been a censorship so that people would not even print stories and encourage people to go to businesses, cultural sites, tours that are actually operated by native Gullah Geechis. Herein lies the problem. That's why we get the parallel universe of the entertainers being promoted, why we get the parallel universe of the people who are non-Gullah Geechee getting to do the tours, because they're not going to then take you to the places that we own, because they themselves most times don't even know where they are because they're not from our community. They are black but they're not from community. They're not Gullah Geechee, so they cannot give you the whole story, and they can't take you to all the places that we have grown to know and to love and to be able to get you in and get you seated and get you taken care of the way that Gullah Geechees would do it. Now, I must give a shout-out to Chef David at Rosefish and Cornbread, given that today I also was surprised by an article about Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, here in the Gullah Geechee Nation, and finally saw that they actually listed his outstanding restaurant, which is truly an international restaurant, on Hilton Head. Yes, the name is Roast Fish and Cornbread. And so make sure if you ever go, let them know you heard about it, Panisha Show, Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. We already posted about that on Gullah Geechee Nation's Facebook wall today. And also, if you want to go to come down from the restaurants at GullahGeecheeNation.com, our official blog, you can read the article where we name all the different Gullah Geechee restaurants and eateries that we had. And since that article was written, Gullah Cuisine closed in Mount Pleasant because it did not have the support that it needed. It did not have the continuous financial capital that they needed, Charlotte and those, to stay open. But I'm sure she'll continue to tour with her cookbook. That also has the artwork of Brother Jonathan Green on it. And once again, throughout the year, we need to support our artists. We need to support people like Sandra Nae Smith. We need to support people like Amiri Ferris and our other Native artists that are painting our images. And so that these are the things that are within our institutions. These are the things that are on our walls. I felt truly honored when I was taken on a tour of the Medical University of South Carolina, and I walked into the Office of uh, Public Health, Human Health, with one of my partners and immediately looked and saw the Gullah Geechee art on the wall, recognized the art style, and they said, that's Sandra Naismith's art. It was truly a blessing to see her art hanging on the walls of MUSC, especially given that she is a nurse and she's a native of St. Helena Island. But here it is that other institutions are investing in our community. So I call on us to invest in our own community, invest in our people, invest in the folks that are our black gold that's shining and let that shine get even brighter because that richness then is for all of us. It's for all of we and things like that and just for one of we because the more that our community has, the more that we can continue to keep institutions open like right now. Many of you supported the Heritage Day celebration at Penn Center, which is one of two major fundraising events that go on to keep that institution open. That institution has been there for 152 years. So I believe some people assume it just stays open by itself. No, it doesn't. Or you hear there's a nonprofit 
then you think that everything over there is free. No, the light company don't get no discount because we have a non-profit. The water company still want their water bill paid. When artists come there to present, they still want to get paid. Lecturers want to get paid. Their expenses and things have to be covered, and they have staff that has to be paid. So don't look at it like, oh, wow, I mean, they should just be there. How can they be there without your help? You have to support them. Avery Research Center became part of the College of Charleston because it could not stand on its own. And eventually those who loved Avery had to make a deal and then have it become part of that larger institution, which is not a black institution, the College of Charleston. It is not an HBCU or anything of the sort. Never was. It wasn't even set up for black people to attend initially. But Avery Research Center and Center for Black Research is part of the College of Charleston. It's not an independent institution. We have other independent institutions on this coast, like Dorchester Academy in Georgia, need support. Penn Center needs support. Geechee needs support. We have American Beach Museum now, needs support, needs your volunteer service and your physical money coming out your pocket. Shiny thing. The thing 100 can exchange with and things like that. A legal tender, okay? And so please, we want to keep institutions open. We want to keep our community strong. Then we have to realize that freedom ain't free. Even if you come in the door without paying an admission, somebody paid the price. And in some cases, they paid with their life. And that is the case with Dr. Martin Luther King. That was the case with El Haj Malik Shabazz. It was the case with Marcus Garvey. They paid with their lives to give the messages to our community that somebody forgot to tell you. Well, I'm here to remind you, freedom ain't free. And as we go to get you, Dr. Buzzer, say, honna tink free, honna be free. And he was a man that believed in the economic empowerment of his community. He donated to many institutions that still stand on St. Helena Island where he lived where he resided. The initial one came from the motherland here, and the second one was born here on St. Helena Island. And so both of the Dr. Buzzers that I'm referencing, they gave to their community. They have left things still standing here, and we are still holding on. And so it is with pride that I say that I'm thankful that the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition is about to approach yet another anniversary. We started in 1996, and we still do, with the support of people from around the world, including many of you who are listeners. So we hope that this season and as the year goes out, 2015 is on its way in, that also to keep this organization going, because many of our organizations are the ones that built these institutions. And one of the institutions that we have built is the Gullah Geechee Al-Kibulan Archive and our Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition Center. We pray that you will continue to support these efforts. You can email us at any time to find out how you can do a fundraiser um, in your community for us. And that email address is G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com. You can also go to gullahgeechee.net, G-U-L-L-A-H-G-E-E-C-H-E-E.net to see some of the work that been going on with who we be down here as Gullah Geechees and how Hunter Chillin can join we in some of that work, including during Gullah Geechee Volunteer Month that's coming up in March. And unfortunately, because we did not get enough support that made it feasible to keep the doors of Penn Center open right now, we went ahead. They closed the buildings for the season, and so we decided we would postpone the watch night production to another time. So we will let you all know more about that, but that doesn't mean that we would not be celebrating we anniversary and we family and celebrating who we be as Gullah Geechees, and we know we be Gullah Geechee, anointed people, and we know chilling for sure. Freedom and free. So we want to say thank you, thank you for all them who still stand for we and with we. But hunter chilling, start thinking more economically. Peace, progress, power, and may many wealthy, healthy blessings fall upon you. Happy holy days, everybody. <laughs>